I am excited to introduce our speaker today. Pastor Russ is, is, uh, is very much a father figure to me. Uh, I've, I've had this weight in my heart to always feel like Pastor Russ came to Staten Island. He was 38 years old. And he has in, he's left his mark in Staten Island. But what I, I always say, whatever he's left undone, I'm ready to pick up and finish the mission. Amen? I really believe that. So he's a father in social media. They started calling him Grandpa Russ. I don't think he likes that. But uh, help me welcome our speaker for Generosity Sunday, Pastor Russ Hodgins of Fountain Life. Pastor, we love you. So grateful for you. It is so good to be in Kuhau. Well, let's take care of that grandpa stuff right now. So I almost canceled the whole speaking engagement because Roe told me, he says, they're calling you Grandpa Russ. Preacher Russ is fine. Pastor Russ is fine. Cool Russ is fine. But Grandpa... No, I brought Grandpa with me, Brother Larry. Where's Brother Larry over there? He's got 19 grandkids, 10 great-grandkids. He drove me up here. He's my armor bearer. Give some love to Larry over there. <laughs> There's your Grandpa. <laughs> no, I, I, I take that as a very loving, affectionate Grandpa. Is that right? Yeah, these aren't gray hairs. These are wisdom highlights. We got 11 grandbabies. I just heard number 12 is on the way. Everybody say hi, Grandpa Russ. <laughs> oh, wow. I just love being a Kuhau. This is my home away from home. And so I want to thank Pastor Rolando and Lisa for inviting me to, to speak to this incredible congregation. I got to tell you, if I wasn't a pastor... In Burlington, New Jersey, and if I lived on Staten Island, this would be my church. Where are you at, Pastor Rowe? And I could follow you, brother. I could follow you and Lisa. You have incredible pastors here, and I don't just say that. I could follow you, brother. Amen, amen, amen. I love me some Kuhau. And I want to say welcome to the online audience. I hear there are so many that are following online on YouTube. And so welcome to Kuhau. Whenever I talk to our people at back home, I always let folks know that you're just as much a part of the church as everybody that's in the house. So give it up for the online audience right here, right now. You know, I really, I listened to Pastor Rose's message last week on Vision Sunday because I just want to hear his heart and I, I, I'm saying this with all my heart. You need to thank God for your pastors. Why is that? Listen, you can find a hundred pastors who are satisfied with the status quo. You can find a hundred pastors who are content to maintain what is. But when you find a man and woman of God who are ready to establish the work of God, grow the work of God, and find a warehouse and make it a worship center and establish something for generations to come, a place where people can encounter God, step out of what's comfortable, take some risks. I'll tell you what, thank God you got pastors like you got here up in Kuhau. 
Come on, give it up big time for them today. Amen, amen. You know, I want to talk to you today about extreme generosity. Say that out without with me. Anybody ever do any extreme sports? Yeah, what do you do? What's that? Brazilian jiu-jitsu is an extreme sport. Hang gliding is an extreme sport. Riding a wild horse in a rodeo is an extreme sport. How many know I did that? Yeah, back in my day, back in earlier day, in my 30s, when I was your age, Pastor Ro, I actually rode in a rodeo. Forget, forget Grandpa Russ, how about Cowboy Russ? Anyway, extreme sports push the limits. Extreme sports push the limits in speed, in risk, in height. And I'd like to take that whole extreme mindset and bring it to the generosity arena today. Could we do that, everybody? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm just so glad to be here today, and, and I, I want to bring the message to you now, and, and I won't take long. Uh, I didn't hear come to talk about money, but I did come to talk about Jesus. Because when you get everything with Jesus right, everything else falls into line. I did a little quick research on some key words in the Bible, and the word believe is used 272 times. Uh, the word pray, how many say that's an important word? Yeah, that's a pretty important word. It's used 371 times. Now the word love, obviously that's a pretty important word. Amen to that? Love is used 714 times. Pretty incredible. But the word give, what do you think is the number of times that the word give is used in the Bible? Take a, take a guess whole bunch of times? Yeah, 1,200? 2,000. 2,152 times the word give is used in the Bible. Why do you think that is? Because God is a generous God. And He has called us to be a generous people. So since today we are going to give a historic offering at Ku House, amen out loud, I'm going to talk to you about extreme generosity extreme generosity there are two short stories in the bible i want to take you to today one in the old testament and one in the new where extreme generosity is on full display are you ready for this now moses had given a vision to the people he was building a tabernacle now walk with me he had cast the vision about the tabernacle this would be a place where people would encounter god it would be a place where the glory of the Lord would be revealed. It would be a place where worship would happen. It would be a, the tent of meeting, the tabernacle. It would be a place established, don't, don't miss this now, for future generations. Somebody say future generations. See, what God is doing today is not just for you. It, it is for the next generation as well. And here's what, here's what happened. And here's what absolutely blows my mind. So Moses gave the vision, and, and I'm going to read some of the text here, Exodus 35. And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord, gold, 
silver, and bronze. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred, and everyone whose spirit was willing. And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, for all its services, and for the holy garments. Verse 22, they came, now watch, I love this. They came, both men and women, as many as had a willing heart. They brought earrings and nose rings and rings and necklaces and all jewelry of gold. That is, every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. Now, the children of Israel brought a free will offering. Wrap your mind around this. All the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring material for all kinds of work which the Lord, by the hand of Moses, had commanded to be done. I count about five times in those verses the word heart was used. How many know that generosity is a matter of the heart? Generosity is a matter of the heart. So we go to the next chapter, 36. Then Moses called, I can't pronounce these names, Bezalel and Aholaibi, whatever, and every gifted artisan in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom. Everyone whose heart was stirred to come and do the work. And they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. It gets better. And so they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work he was doing, and they spoke to Moses saying this, The people bring much more than enough. For the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. So get a load of this. Pastor Moses said, as they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from giving, for the material that they had was sufficient for all the work to be done, and indeed, too much. Come on and give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that. Now, I've never been in a church where the preacher said, don't bring no more money. But I have to ask myself the question, what would compel people to give like this? Think about it. They're in the wilderness. They're on a journey. Moses has a vision from God to build this tent of meeting, the tabernacle. He puts out a message to the church, to the people of God, to start to bring offerings for the garments, for the priests, for the work of the tent. And the Bible says the people started bringing it. And they brought it every morning. And nobody had to beg them. Nobody had to twist their arm. Nobody had to manipulate them or promise them a hundredfold return. And they just began to bring the offerings. Was it Moses' motivational speech? I don't think so. Listen, motivational speeches only last as long until you stop being motivated. Or until the preacher leaves. Was it some prosperity preacher that promised them some hundredfold return? You know how preachers say, you just give God a hundred dollars and he'll give you back a thousand. Whoever taught you God was an ATM machine? No, 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 watch. See, extreme generosity is a matter of the heart. The people had a heart for God. I'll tell you what, when people have a heart for God, and a heart for worship, and a heart for the vision of God, 
Giving will never be a problem, and there will never be lack in the work of God. Come on in, somebody. Amen to that. So how does one develop this kind of a heart? I didn't come here to motivate you to say, well, here, you need to give this offering. Here's what God put in my heart. I, I had to stop and ask myself, all this offering that came to Moses and to Israel, what motivated the people to do that? What developed this kind of a heart? Listen to this. They were not giving in order to be blessed. They were giving because they already had been blessed. Praise God. They weren't given to buy a blessing. They weren't looking for a future blessing. They were giving because they had already been blessed. Wow. And I, I, I thought to myself, and I'd like to play, role play this a little. If you were to interview one of the Hebrews, and the Bible says they were bringing their offerings every morning. They brought gold and silver and bronze. And they didn't just bring it on Sunday. They were bringing this offering every day of the week, every day. And I wondered what it might sound like if you were to interview one of the Hebrews that was bringing his offering to the Lord. If you were to ask him, why are you bringing this offering, brother? Every morning you're coming with something more in your hand. Why are you so zealous to give with such extreme generosity? Why are you bringing so much? Why are you bringing this gold? And why are you not keeping it for yourself? I wonder what the answer might have been. And it might have sounded something like this. Well, you see, a while back I was a slave. Hmm. And I lived every day of my life in chains. I suffered. In silence. I felt like I did not count. I felt like nobody knew my name. My pain, you see, was unbearable. When we lived in Egypt, we were under some hard, hard slave taskmasters. And I felt like my life had no hope and it was gone. I didn't have any hope for tomorrow. But then God... But then God sent this deliverer named Moses. And while the plagues begin to happen, do you know, I'm talking to the interviewer now, do you know that God kept us in the land of Goshen and every plague that touched the Egyptians, none of it came nigh our dwelling? Ah! And after all the plagues, you see, there was one final plague. And that was when the death angel would come through Egypt land. And all of the firstborn of men and women, of cattle and beasts, would die. But Moses told us if we would kill a spotless lamb and put the blood of that lamb on the doorpost of our house. I said on the doorpost of our house. If you would put the blood of this lamb on the top of the door and on the side of the door. He said when the death angel came through that he would have no power over our house. But God said he would pass over us. And while every house there was one dead in, I remember we put that blood of the lamb on the doorpost of our house. And when the death angel came through, he passed over my house. And there was life in my house. Hallelujah to God. And we were delivered that day, but I was set free one day by the blood of a spotless lamb. And when we left Egypt land, 
It was only but a short time and we came to the Red Sea. We thought we had come out here to die in the wilderness. But then the Bible says God blew with his nostrils. It looked like it was all over for us. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody. Has anybody here ever faced a mountain where you thought it was all over? Anybody here remember being a slave to sin? Anybody remember being in chains and bondage? Anybody here ever feel like your life didn't matter? Or you felt like you didn't count? But then one day, God didn't send Moses. He sent Jesus. And the greatest act of generosity happened on a hill called Mount Calvary. Where Jesus set me free. Broke every chain. And brought me into sonship in the family of God. I say, I got to tell you, you see, you don't have to beg me to give. You don't have to twist my arm. You don't have to manipulate me or promise me some future blessing. I know God has been too good to me. So we were facing the Red Sea and, and, uh, and we thought we were going to die. And all we could see was the Red Sea ahead of us and hear Pharaoh's hoofbeats coming behind us. Then God blew with his nostril. And the sea began to open. And there was a wall of water on our left. And a wall of water on our right. And we walked through that sea on dry ground. We started to sing when we got to the other side. Mary and Moses' wife picked up her tambourine. Started to sing. The Lord has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. Oh, praise God. He would have told that interviewer we got to the other side and we woke up the next morning and all 600 of Pharaoh's chosen horsemen were dead on the ground and we celebrated the goodness of God. We made our way into this wilderness and it wasn't long before we got hungry and God was so good. God was so good that we woke up one morning and there was bread on the ground. This little round thing looked like it was something white, but sweet like honeycomb. And, and I got to tell you that it wasn't just one day. He is my daily bread. He gives us bread every morning we get up. There's bread on the ground. Somebody ought to say amen in the house. And, uh, and then on the day before the Sabbath, he gives us twice as much so we can rest on the Sabbath. Oh, God's been too good to me. And after we traveled from there, we all became so thirsty but Moses stood up on a rock and he took the staff in his hand and he smote that rock. Peek into the future and that rock was Christ. He smote that rock. Water gushed out of that rock. I'm not talking about a drinking fountain at the school. No, I'm talking water gushed out of that rock. We had to dig canals so we could feed our beasts and, and we could drink. But God gave us everything we needed. He made a way out of no way and he supplies our bread and he supplies our water I got to tell you I got to tell you can't you hear this Hebrew God has done too much for me you wonder why I'm bringing my offering you wonder why I bring gold and some silver and some bronze and you wonder why I don't wait till Sunday you wonder why I don't stop at 10% because God has been too good to me Hallelujah. See, I really want to talk to you about Jesus. Because when you remember what the Lord has done for you, giving an extreme generosity will just be a way of life. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
Our Jesus gave it all, everybody. He gave it all. He held nothing back. Remember that old hymn, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Jesus held nothing back. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace was on him, and by his stripes we are healed. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who heals all your diseases, who forgives all your sins, who redeems your life from destruction, and crowns you with loving kindness. Somebody say amen in the house. Does anybody love the Lord Jesus? When you remember where you were and where he brought you from, the pit he pulled you out of, the heartbreak hell you were in, the no hope, no life, didn't even know if you wanted to get out of bed one more day. And one day you met the master and he delivered you. It wasn't a lamb like back in Moses. Jesus, the lamb of God. I said, Jesus, the lamb of God has saved a wretch like me. I was lost and undone without God or his son, and he saved me. Do I have a witness in the house? And if you've been saved like I've been saved, or if you've been saved like Larry Bolden's been saved, and Pastor Roy, you ought to have him preach sometime. That man, I tell you what, him and his wife were drug runners and spent time in prison, and God miraculously rescued him and saved him and turned his life around traveled all over the united states with chuck colson in the prison ministry larry stand up you're a walking talking witness and a trophy of the grace of god see nobody got to talk larry into giving do they brother no god's done too much for me if you've been saved like i've been saved and like larry's been saved like Pastor Roe and Lisa have been saved, and you know that he satisfies your mouth with good things. I'm not stopping at the tithe. I've got to give God some extreme generosity. Uh, I'm not into that whole prosperity gospel. will give $100, and God will give you back $100, $200, $300. Listen, there's been times I have given financially and been blessed back financially. Amen. And there have been times I have given financially. And I didn't get anything back financially. See, giving is not about twisting God's arm. It's about aligning your heart with His. Amen. It's about aligning your heart with God's. Extreme generosity doesn't come because there's a really good preacher in town. Extreme generosity doesn't happen because they can motivate you into giving a little bit extra today. I told you before, your motivation will soon run out when the preacher is gone. I didn't come here to promise you houses and land and prosperity. I did come to call you to realign your heart with the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when our heart is aligned with His, it doesn't, it's not all about me anymore. It's not all about feed me, fix me, heal me, bless me, prosper me. No, it's all about the kingdom of God. By the way, I'm 61 years old. I know what you're thinking. You don't look that old. 
And uh, <laughs> I ain't got time to dream my own dreams. Uh, I, I got more behind me than I got ahead of me. Now that's depressing. I almost want to lay down and take a nap. Uh, I got more behind me than I got ahead of me. I'm not on this planet, neither are you forever. And I'm not living to make myself rich or make myself a name. I'm here to make Jesus famous. And I want to sow into the soil of his kingdom. Because my children are coming after me. And their children are coming after them. And I want to sow, even if it's into the unseen. Because when you give, you don't see the people God is going to reach yet. You don't see the warehouse that will be turned into a worship center yet. You don't see the generations to come yet. The kingdom, you see, is already, but not yet. So when you sow and bring a generosity offering, don't expect everything to change next Sunday. When we sow, Pastor Rowe, we that, that almost rhymed, didn't it? <laughs> when we sow, we sow into the unseen. But when we sow into the unseen, God will bring about and he will bring to pass something you can see. Very few things happen instantly. Very few things happen instantly. Churches don't double instantly. Buildings aren't bought instantly. But God is a mighty God. And nothing, whatever heaven starts, hell can never stop. And so when we sow and when we bring our generosity offering, it's not about, why. Oh, I wonder what we're going to see tomorrow. Well, well, it may not happen tomorrow. But I'm here today to tell you that when you sow, you're building people. And I listened to Pastor Rose's message. You're building people, getting ready to build a worship center out of a warehouse, and you're building for, for future generations. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to go down to where I was right there. Building people. How many know Jesus is in the people business? Jesus is in the people business. Can we just hit the pause button for a minute? So if you were to interview this Hebrew who is bringing this offering, this extreme offering, extreme generosity, it was not about how he was going to get blessed for bringing it. He was talking about how he had already been blessed. And when I give, it's not about what are you going to do for me now, God. <laughs> it's not about what are you going to do for me now, God. I'm giving you praise for what you've already done. See, God is in the people building business. Kuhau is here. And when I said a few moments ago, Pastor Rowe, that if I wasn't a pastor and I didn't live in Burlington, New Jersey, if I lived on Staten Island and worked at Amazon like a lot of other people, I saw that Amazon warehouse coming over to Gothel's Bridge. That's where they was going to put that NASCAR track. Amen, they messed up. I'd come to this church because I believe in the mission of this church. And when I heard you talk about building people, I thought, there it is, there it is, there it is, there it is. That's the heart of God. Generosity, extreme generosity, is a matter of the heart. And it's aligning our heart with the mission of Jesus. It's about building people. How many know people need the Lord? Staten Island needs Jesus. I love what you said, brother. I believe it was prophetic. Because I left here in 2010, and I never thought that my work was finished when I left. For years, it haunted me that I had walked away from a divine call. And now I thank God. Listen, 
uh, he took me to White Plains for a while, for five and a half years, after we spent one year not even in ministry. We went out to our home in Pennsylvania, and I, I, you know what I did? I went to work for a little, I went to work for a golf resort selling postage stamp building lots. I can't ever tell you if leaving Staten Island was God's will or not God's will. I won't know until one day I get to heaven. But, but so many nights I pined the loss. And, uh, and even after we left and my dentist was still on Staten Island, I would come and park on Richmond Avenue and uh, look across the street at the church that I had left. And, and, and we went through just the hardest trial of our life. And, and, and so when we, we left, we spent one year, one whole year out in the Poconos. Didn't really know if anybody would ever call us to ministry again. And so I, I, um, people would call me to preach, and I, I turned everything down. I was in the most, most difficult desert of my life. Anybody ever been in a desert? Anybody ever been in a really hard place? Let me tell you, I'm here today not because I had a tight grip on God. I'm here today because God never lost his grip on me. And so for the longest time, even when we went to White Plains, we spent five and a half years there before God called us to Burlington. New Jersey, the Fountain of Life, great church there. And I, I'm happy about this, that even if it was the mistake of a lifetime, God redeems your mistakes. Can you say amen out loud to that? If you, you may be hearing here today, you may be watching online today and think you've sinned away your day of grace and you've made more failures uh, than you can count, made promises to God that you didn't keep. I just want you to know that God is not finished with you yet. God has a plan, and if he started it, all of hell can't stop it. And I always felt like my work was undone. And a few minutes, a moments ago, Pastor Rowe, you said that I felt like God has called me to finish what Pastor Russ left undone. Do you all hear what I'm saying? I believe it, brother. Look, I don't say things like this lightly. I might tell you I like your haircut when I really don't. No, I like yours. I like the bun. <laughs> I don't even care about a bun. Just some hair would be good. And I might say, yeah, your jacket's cool. I might, I might bluff a little bit there. I've got no time to waste when it comes to kingdom business. I don't mince words when it comes to kingdom business. And when you said that, it touched my heart. Because I feel I did leave some things undone. And I thank God. I thank God for this church. I thank God for Pastor Roe and Lisa who are not ready to settle for the status quo. Let's just come and have church and go home and do our religious thing. But they're willing to take risks, to buy a warehouse and make it a worship center. But even greater than that, they're about building people. And people are always, people are more important than projects. And, and I, I've always loved people, been in the people business, because God loves people. He loves rich people, poor people, white people, brown people. Doesn't matter. Uptown people, North Shore people, South Shore people. God loves people. Amen to that. Amen to that. Remember when Donald Trump was in office? I, I mentioned this this morning when I was preaching. Remember he used to say, America first? And, and when he said America first, I was like, yeah, yeah. Then God slapped me. You know, America first is a Western Christian mindset. But our God is a global God. And God does not love Americans any more than Guatemalans, any more than Chileans, any more than, than, than Koreans or Japanese. Our God 
It's a global God and the ground is level at the foot of the cross and God doesn't love anybody more than anybody else. He's a people God and he loves people. And I listened to your message last week, brother, and Kuhau is about building people. We've been called to bring light to dark places. Love to damaged souls. And the good news of the gospel to those who are lost. Any church that's only interested in us four and no more, I'm checking out, honey. God has put this mandate on your pastors and on this church, whether that's in person or you're watching online. Building people is a heartbeat of this church because it's a heartbeat of God. God builds broken people. He builds the woman who met at the well who'd been married five times. And the sixth man she was with wasn't even her husband. Six men in her life. Used her and abused her. Then the seventh man came along. I said the seventh man came along, and that was Jesus. And Jesus met that woman at the well, and she was important to him. Let me just give you this, brother, too. Rich folk are no more important than poor folk. God, and Tommy Barnett, great pastor out in Arizona, he said, if you will love the people nobody wants, God will give you the people everybody wants. He said, if you will love the people nobody else wants, God will give you the people everybody wants. Building people. And building a, building a worship center out of a warehouse. I thought about this. Turning a warehouse into a worship center. I want to tell you this. I believe this with all my heart. Staten Island needs Kuhau. Why is that? Because Kuhau knows how to reach this generation. And very few churches do. I've been in ministry 35 years. This is not my first rodeo. I've been to a lot of churches. Most churches don't know how to reach this generation. This is probably the best kept secret in Staten Island. Kuhau knows how to reach this generation. Now, I'm not just telling you that because I need another speaking engagement. <laughs> and you'll invite me back. I got more than enough to do. I believe in this work. This is a unique, there is a unique element to this church. The worship we experienced a moment ago, I could have just stayed right there in my seat. Let it rain, let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven, let it rain. I could sense the Holy Spirit. Listen, people go to church for three reasons. See something, hear something, and feel something. And you can see something in any church. Here's something in any church, but you're only going to feel something where the Holy Spirit's anointing is. There is something unique about this house, a unique element to this church that can reach this generation. And I believe with all my heart that you need a permanent house where hurting people can come, not just on Sunday, but every day of the week and find refuge. Building people building a building and turning a warehouse into a worship center. Whatever God has for you, I believe it with all my heart. And I'm going to sow into it myself. And when he said the third thing was building for future generations, I was like, wow. Yeah. You see, because when the people 
in Moses, for Moses, when they brought the offerings for the tent of meeting, it wasn't just for them. It was for the next generation as well. What God is doing in you is not just for you. There's a generation that's coming that's going to need the presence of God. There's a generation that's coming that's going to need to be rescued by the Savior. And there's a generation that's coming that's confused. They don't know if they're a man or a woman, a boy or a girl. And they're confused and they're going to need somebody to point them to the way of the truth. There's a generation that's coming that is hurting and broken and lost their way. And they need a church that will sow into the next generation. Amen. Don't you dare think that what you see today is all there is. Extreme generosity. Extreme generosity. Thank you, brother. Extreme generosity is a matter of the heart. Say that out loud with me. Extreme generosity is a matter of the heart. Not only did Moses and the people there give, there's one, one element in the, in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 4. And if you can put Acts chapter 4, verse 32 to 35 up, it says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say any of the things he possessed was his own. <laughs> mine, mine, mine. Nobody said anything that he has was his own. But they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Watch this. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. And I never, I've read this a hundred times and I still can't wrap my mind around it. For all who were possessors of lands and houses sold them. That's what I said. And they brought the money and they laid it at the apostles' feet. I love it when people talk about tithing being Old Testament. I go, could we have a conversation? See, tithing's Old Testament, Pastor Russ. That's law, Pastor Russ. I said, okay, good. Come with me and let's talk about how they gave in the New Testament. So you want to stop at $26.87, do you? With your little tithe? You got your little tithe working there? You got your $56.12? That wasn't New Testament giving. They didn't even, they didn't stop at tithing. If they had a piece of land or a house, they would sell it. And they didn't go into their 401k either. They brought it to the apostles' feet. Why? Because they believed in this resurrected Jesus. I said they believed in this resurrected Jesus. <laughs> they didn't give like this. They didn't, they didn't sell land and houses because uh, someone suggested we have a yard sale at the church. No, they gave like this because they were so enthralled with this resurrected Jesus. They had known about Jesus and heard about Jesus, that he healed the sick, raised the dead, walked on water, how he died, was buried, and now he was alive. And the same Jesus poured out his Holy Spirit, and it totally transformed their lives to the point that they were so sold out to the mission of Jesus. And he come to talk to you about money come to talk to you about Jesus. He's the head of the church. And he can rescue those who are in bondage like the Egyptians, like the Hebrews were. And he can make a way out of no way when he brought them to the Red Sea. He can put bread on your table when you don't know where it's coming from. And he is water out of the rock. He, Jesus, he's done, can I just say he's done too much for me 
for me to hold on to my money into my pocket. When my daughter was suffering with heroin addiction for 10 long years, in and out of more rehabs than I can count, in and out of jail, prayed hard, and the harder I prayed, the worse she got. But there was a day in God's time. <laughs> See, you know how Pentecostals be, Pastor Rowe? God, we want you to do it now. You're Pentecostal pray like that. Lord Jesus, we pray this healing now. We pray for the miracle now. But your now may not be God's when. I said your now may not be God's when. But there was a day when he did deliver her. And I got a beautiful daughter now that's set free from heroin addiction. She got married. They got three beautiful grandkids. I got pictures. And I got to say, when I see that, when I see what God has done, when he rescued me out of my own brokenness, when I was living in a wilderness in Pennsylvania and didn't even want to preach anymore, when I looked back and saw how when I fell, he picked me up. And when I had no one to hold my hand, he held my hand. And I watched him deliver my kids. I got to tell you, Pastor Rowe, you don't have to beg me to give no money. Ain't got to twist my arm. Haven't got to manipulate me or push me toward the offering bucket. God's done too much for me. Do I have a witness in the house? And so let's just align our heart with his. There's something about Christianity. I don't know. I, I can't fix the American church. But there's something about Christianity that's gotten off the rails. We like to keep it around because it makes us feel good. It feeds our positive emotions. But we don't want to go all in. But when his love fills every crevice of your heart... Nobody's going to have to beg you, twist your arm, or manipulate you. You may even have a yard sale and give all the money to Kuha. Both groups, Old Testament and New Testament, they moved with extreme generosity. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. They, it was extreme generosity. And the mission of this church is threefold. It's build people, and that's the heart of God. And uh, it's to turn a warehouse into a worship center. This whole island needs to know this church is here. And I sat there during that worship time, and I just started to weep because I just felt God's presence so powerful. It's in God's presence that addicts will be set free. It's in God's presence that those who are lost will be found. Those in darkness will come to the light. Let me finish with this. I just added this kind of late in the game. I shared it this morning. Um... And there was a man in the Bible who was lost his mind. What time is it? You're my favorite people, and I knew you was my favorite people. I knew you was my favorite people for some reason. Uh, even if you do call me Grandpa Russ. Do you understand where we've been so far? Extreme generosity pushes the limits. Extreme generosity is a matter of the heart. And I had another point. I don't know if they put it up or not. Extreme generosity embraces the mission of Jesus. Just two points. Extreme generosity is a matter of the heart. It's not about how good my sermon is or how well I can motivate you. It's nonsense. Extreme generosity is a matter of the heart. And only you know where your heart is. And extreme generosity embraces the mission of Jesus. When I heard you, Pastor Rose, say this is all about building people, I go, 
Yes. And in a moment ago when you said that God has raised you up to fulfill what I left undone. However, brother, I can equip you, finance you, help you. I will. Because I believe that there's more than, how many, how many is this population now on Staten Island? Half a million people? It was that 10 years ago. <laughs> Nobody's coming. <laughs> Jesus went across the lake to the region of the Gadarenes, and when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Walk with me. This is a close. It's not up on the big screen. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with chains. For he had been often chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart, and he broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus, I love this part, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees and worshipped him. I want you to know, everybody, that I don't care how tore up from the floor up you are. I don't care how messed up and out of your mind anybody is. There's still something on the inside of every man and woman that's crying out for God. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? The demon said, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. The demon said, don't send us out of this area. A large herd of pigs were feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. I'm going somewhere with this. And the impure spirits came out of that man and went into the pigs. And the herd was about 2,000. 2,000 pigs. Smelly place. 2,000 in number, they ran down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. And those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons. And he was sitting there dressed and in his right mind. Thank you for that one amen. He was sitting there dressed and in his right mind. Recap it. Jesus' feet hit the shore of that shallow water. And immediately a man met him that looked like something out of the exorcist. He growls and he screams. He's got ugly scars all over his body because he'd been cutting himself and lacerating his body with stones. Something had snapped in his mind. And I got to think back when he was a child. What went wrong? The child who was ooing and cooing and nursing at his mother's breast and playing with the little pebbles and laughing. What happened? What went wrong in his life? What happened? Was he a teenager? Did he get sexually abused? 
what happened in his life? What happened from being a happy child to be a lunatic and a man out of his mind? Something had snapped. He didn't fit in. He didn't belong. He lived in the graveyard. His home was a graveyard. And he was naked. He ran around naked like a crazy man. And whenever anybody did try to chain him, he snapped the chains like they were paper. Out of his mind. And all the disciples wanted to do was get back in the boat. Get out of here. Because not, not everybody wants to deal with broken people. I said, not everybody wants to deal with people. Oh, you, it's, it's cool if we deal with somebody that's dressed like me and, uh, and has the same income bracket as me and uh, same color as me and uh, lives in the same neighborhood as me, but disciples just want to get back in the boat. They didn't want to deal with this man. A lot of churches don't want to deal with hurting broken people. But if you will love the people nobody wants, I said, if you will love the people nobody wants, God will bring you the people everybody wants. All he wanted to do was get back in the boat. Let me tell you, when it comes to, you, okay, <laughs> your, your vision is to build people. Now, you know how church folk are. We want everybody to come until they come. And if you really want everybody to come, God will send you people that are broken and hurting and wounded and dying on the inside. I've never met anybody that was this extreme but there's a lot of people on Staten Island that are just as lost. And Jesus does what Jesus does best. He builds people. He casts the demon out of this man. Jesus always gets up close and personal to the pain. And he got up close and personal to this man. And I want you to know, everybody, the way, the way you love people, listen to me, the way you love people, particularly those who are on the margins of society, is the clearest indicator how serious you really are about following this Jesus. And Jesus delivered this man and he set him free from everything that was tormenting him. Jesus is the solution to sin, guilt, shame, even self-laceration. Why are you telling us about this? Because I want, I want to finish right here and tell you how much Jesus thought this man's life was worth. And I wondered... What do you think, everybody? What do you think the people outside of here, down the street, along Richmond Terrace, what do you think their life is worth? I did a little math because Jesus saw this man's life worth the price of 2,000 pigs. Are you hearing me? Jesus saw this man's life worth the price of 2,000 pigs. Now, I did a little Googling and research. You can find anything on Google, you know. Everything you read on the Internet is true. Just kidding. And a, and a really healthy big pig is worth about $300. It's, it's really could push 1000 but let's use 300 to be conservative. And a little feeder pig, the little baby pig, you know. <laughs> I just had that nursery rhyme go through my mind. And this little piggy went to market, and this little piggy went to church. Is church part of that? Well, it is in my book. And this little piggy ran all the way home. These little piggies, these little feeder pigs are about worth $100. So I'm taking an average of each pig was worth in today's market about $200. And $200 a pig times 2,000.
is $400,000 in today's market. And Jesus saw this deranged man whose mind had snapped and whom nobody wanted to deal with, not even the disciples. Jesus saw his life worth $400,000. Because the cost of an average pig, 200, 2,000 of them. And over the bank they went. $400,000. And Pastor Rowe, I believe your goal is 200. A little small. And if everybody got involved, that goal will be in your rearview mirror in a few months. Because our God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. So then, I'm going to ask you to come up here, brother. Come on. So that everybody right up here. So then, your goal is half. Come right on up, yeah. Well, it'd probably be better if you were there because then I look bigger. But if you come up here, no, come up here. I can't tell you how many places I went to preach and they go, gee, I thought you'd be bigger. So your goal is half of what Jesus valued this man's life. Do you see this, everybody? And if Jesus valued this man's life at that level, what could you do and what could I do? Is this really, Pastor Rowe, about, it's about building people. It's about turning a warehouse into a worship center. It's about building something for future generations. But it's more than that. It's about discovering how valuable one soul is. I wonder what could be achieved if everybody got involved. I don't know. You may have a mountain in your mind and it may just sound insane. Sometimes your life depends on one insane move. Someone asked Helen Keller if she thought there was anything worse than being blind. She said, yeah, having no vision. And I just believe that God's prepared Kuhau for some great things. So don't be surprised when God asks you to get extreme with your generosity. The kingdom is never advanced with minimum thinking. Let me remind you, this world is not our home. Don't focus on how much prosperity you can achieve. Focus on his kingdom, his church, his glory, his power, both now and forever. Amen. Extreme generosity. It's a matter of the heart. And extreme generosity embraces the mission Jesus. What's the mission of Jesus? People. Crazy people like Mark Vine. Messed up people like me and you. It's about getting a place. Not for Pastor's Road, Pastor Rose's name to be on the marquee. 
a place for future generations to come and find Jesus. And I love you, Kuhau, and I'm incredibly grateful and honored that you uh, bring me here to preach to your congregation. Whenever a pastor steps aside and offers another pastor, it's an incredible honor. You have to know that. And I'm standing with you. Fountain of Life stands with you. And I believe that God has raised you up to finish what I've left undone. Will you partner with these incredible pastors to see it come to pass? In Jesus' name. Amen.